been feeling a lot of pressure on uh, putting out episode two. It's been it's been driving me nuts the past few days. It's almost more than more pressure than launching episode one because then you realize after you put the first one out that oh my god I have to do this every two weeks and and I want it to be good. I don't want to just phone it in. I've been really lucky that the conversations that I've been having have been good. But I'm not Ira Glass. I'm I'm not Marin. Uh, but you know, so in, in podcast land, you're kind of you're all competing for those uh, for those ears for that for that attention. So uh, that that makes me nervous. But I'm glad you're here, and I hope you'll stick around for this conversation because it is a good one. And so today's conversation is actually with Brett Orchowski. He's a professor. He is a educator. He's a writer. He's an entrepreneur in his own right, uh, and is someone that I've I've uh, been really enjoying jamming with whenever we get a chance to uh, to to sit down and have a, a bite to eat or a drink. We cover a lot of ground in this episode. We talk about how the ecstasy scene in the Hamptons helped one mom and pop business accelerate their growth in an unexpected way, uh, not by selling drugs. Uh, we talk about some of the similarities between uh, New Haven, Connecticut and some upstate New York cities. These are some small cities that have big city problems. And we get into how he crowdfunded a baseball team. That's right. He crowdfunded a baseball team. We'll talk all about how he did that, what it was like, and uh, is that a model that works for other places? And we kind of round out the conversation talking about educating millennial entrepreneurs. What do they bring to small cities and what can small cities do to attract more of these millennial entrepreneurs? So I hope you stick around. It's a great conversation. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I, I really appreciate every minute that you spend on the podcast. This is Rust Belt Startup. It's a series of long-form conversations where we reconstruct Remarkable with entrepreneurs, educators, artists, and more. And I hope you enjoyed this episode, which is episode two, my conversation with Brett Orchowski. We can just start, I guess, right? It doesn't matter. So yeah. you're, you're, yeah. you're from Long Island. Are we on? We're rolling. We're, we're just rolling, yeah. yeah. And then what happened? You, you went to, to high school in Long Island? Why don't you just start at the beginning? How about yeah. that? My life? The abbreviated version of your life. If, if your life had to be the cliff notes of, of what your life is. Do you want me to tie it back into... Uh, I want to know how you ended up here. Yeah. Is kind of where I'm, where I'm going with the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm a New Yorker. My wife's a New Yorker. And we probably kind of come from two different worlds. And that's why, you know, I love her. Mm-hmm. So little, little shout But not New Yorker, New Yorker, New Yorker. New Yorker upstate. Yeah, um, okay. I was I was the guy that grew outside of Long Island who. Um, give you this too. Yeah, who yeah, um, better? You know, in in high school and college, I drove a delivery truck for a mom and pop business, and that's where I, I started really delivering what Italian ice. But it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't. Oh, this is stuff you don't know. Um, yeah. um, but it, I think it's real for context. I think it's sure. it's fantastic. Um, my wife hates this story because I just I, I I just it was a transformative period. It was like my grad school. It was like. Um, the Italian uh, ice delivery was yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, it wasn't like scooping. I sure. sold I sold wholesale to pizzerias, businesses. Okay. Uh, is this a PG or a PG thirteen? It can be whatever you want. Uh, I, I've dropped plenty of four letter words already, and I'm only five episodes in. Yeah, so. so let's we'll hit the quota and then some. <laughs> um, and it, it was fantastic because where where I grew up on Long Island, we were maybe like a half hour outside of New York City. Yeah. And um, there was a mom and pop bakery that that actually extended to an Italian ice business 
and the father was a retired Grumman and you know Grumman the aerospace company. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, took off after World War II. It was like a major manufacturing hub for Long Island for so mm-hmm. long. Uh, the guy grew up in Brooklyn, Mr. B. We'll call mm-hmm. him Mr. B for now. And um, when he retired, he had a plan. He wanted to create a, a, a business uh, for his for his uh, son and daughter. The daughter took care of the bakery, and we created uh, a small ice factory, Italian ice factory, Italian ice factory on the side. The Grumman engineer designed these vats. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, we're talking about you With know fifty gallon, eighty gallon vats. Yeah, yeah eighty okay. gallon vats, all water based. And he had he had Grandma Bettina's Italian ice <laughs> recipes from the old country. Yeah, yeah. delicious. Like just flat out delicious. I started driving the delivery truck. Another one of my friends started working the back, so he was working in, the, in basically the factory. I was doing the route. In five summers, we grew from one truck to five trucks. Wow. The son who was overseeing it also had, you know, was a social guy. Out uh, went out east to the Hamptons. Sure, you know, sure. Summer, sure. summer in Long Island, and that's when. Um, uh, a lot of these clubs where you know ecstasy was getting big mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's all water based we started <laughs> you cornered the market we cornered it brilliant like from from a, a straight like business perspective yeah. i would be doing extra routes and dropping <laughs> off a hundred tubs of italian ice and those tubs were like fifteen dollars eighteen dollars was an all-cash business oh my god and they would sell out in one night all the ravers are just like they're they rocking the Italian ice. Yeah, they don't want beer; they want flavored ice. Oh my god! And I'm like, so so like <laughs> I'm delivering a pizzerias in 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 Queens one day. Yeah. The next day I'm driving and dropping off tubs, two like two and a half gallon tubs, a hundred of those, to some club <laughs> out in the hand. I, I offer that because I, I love like that was where I started learning about you know people, started learning yeah. about habits and trends, and I started my my senior year in high school. And every summer I went to school in Rochester. Every summer I went back, and uh, when Jimmy, who my friend who was working the mm-hmm. back, they're like, "Look, both you guys are graduating. What do you want to do?" And I was going to school for journalism at the time, and I could go back to Long Island, and you know, be a partner in this business, or I can go go into a super competitive mm-hmm. you know industry like media yeah. and try it. And both Jimmy and I are just like. We, we didn't go to school for this. Like, it's been fun. Summer jobs. They went up selling uh, to Ralph's. Oh, no way. Yeah, okay. Ralph's bought him out. It was, it was your classic, like, I'm going to buy you, take you over, dissolve you. Yeah. And yeah. you're eating up the competition. Yeah. But when you talk about, like, small business uh, economic trends, that was my introduction to wow. it. Where I'm like... That's funny. That makes sense. Hey, throw a couple extra tubs on the truck. Yeah. You know, not so much upsell, but know, you know what demand is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. You know, growing up outside of New York City, you had every walk of life, mm-hmm. like trying to figure it out. So, um, but I saw that you can make it. Like if you had an idea, and if you you know you're working crazy hours mm-hmm. to make it happen. Uh, but when you're 22 years old and you have to make that decision, sure. You yeah. know what? And then you look back and you're like, ah, life life worked out okay. But what a yeah, what a story though. You know, it's it's. It's really, I, I think about it a lot. I think about it a lot just because uh, not only the characters involved, mm-hmm. I think about where I respect ideas, I respect innovation, I respect creativity. And the fact that you go from like 12 flavors and you're experimenting in the back. Yeah. Next thing you know, you got spumoni and cookies and cream. Sure, and you're just sure, like, sure. And you're taste testing mm-hmm. it. 
and uh, uh, you just respect that. Mm-hmm. You know, people one who work hard and two innovation and comes from an idea, and that's something I think that you have to respect in people. Mm-hmm. You know, and not everybody has that. They also took a chance, right? Right, and they also made something old new. Yeah, that's the interesting thing. They they weren't doing, uh, uh, you know. Google AdWords optimization, right? Like, you know, they're sugar water. They're doing frozen sugar water. Yeah. You know, and doing it and selling it to ravers. Well, for, well, a lot of pizzerias. Well, I know, I yeah. know. Pizzerias too. But you know but what? Yeah, yeah. Like, if you broke down percentages. Sure. I guarantee you those summers. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, but actually, I think that's, that's, that's another lesson in um, uh, accidental markets. Sure. You know, partying one day. So to answer your question, though, um, how did I get here? Yeah, you know, I spent time in media. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked in North Carolina. Uh, I was back upstate, uh, Glens Falls, Saratoga region. You know where the jobs are, you know. And then I got a job at New Haven Register. You were writing? I was writing. Yeah. Uh, and then I moved over to the multimedia side because that's mm-hmm. when the where the industry was going. When multimedia started being multimedia. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So you're talking about the uh, the mid aughts. Yeah. Yeah, you know, mid yeah. To, to late aughts, and New Haven was fun. Mm-hmm. New Haven was fun. Um, it was me and two other guys overseeing the multimedia operation, New Haven Register. Mm-hmm. And uh, started working at Quinnipiac as a professor of practice. So I got to know academia a little bit. And then the, uh, the nonprofit media model started emerging. And uh, it fascinated me. Mm-hmm. And something that I truly loved uh, was dying in, in many ways. And so I'm just like, all right, there's a time in my life to do this. I'm going to do it now. You know, this is before kids and... And whatnot. So I want to see the nonprofit model and public mm-hmm. policy reporting uh, is expensive. That's mm-hmm. uh, also dying. So um, I was hired by a very distinguished board at the, the Connecticut News Project. We had uh, you know, attorneys from Yale, the former, uh, uh, the guy who oversaw Connecticut's checkbook was checking my financials every month, um, and that was you know a learning experience in sure. itself. Um, but it really, I really started seeing, uh, you know, income uh, inequality. Um, super talented staff started really dabbling in data, understanding data's impact, uh, especially uh, behind decisions on the municipal and government levels. And uh, I did that for two and a half years, and we we just we kicked ass. This is in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, this was in ha- New Haven, Hartford. Okay. And we had uh, we had uh, reports in D.C. Okay. As well, looking. Oh, over. so that was a big operation. Yeah. Big in scope, mm-hmm. but it was a startup in many ways because we had no print. It was all digital mm-hmm. uh, and 12, 12 employees. What was the revenue model? Revenue model, uh, starting off, and this happens with a lot of media companies, nonprofit, uh, grants and donations. Grants and donations, it's, it's your typical yeah, nonprofit sure. playbook. And then you start realizing that you're up against uh, you know, have, like, you know, people that are, are looking at uh, ways to curb hunger mm-hmm. and homelessness. Like, right. Real, real, not like that's not a real issue, no, but like see, real yeah. issues, right? Real issues. Yeah. And you're like, well, we're actually bringing to light those issues yeah. and talking about the policy yeah. side behind it. And it became a struggle. And that's why I think one of the reasons why I was hired because I'm like, we're holding events. Um, you're giving away your product for free. Value your product. That's where the me- that's where media organizations went wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're, so you're talking about like, like textbook mistakes yeah how information we, wants to be free no no it wants to be scarce and expensive it needs to you know yeah but you're talking about this institutional knowledge like you mm-hmm. gotta pay quality yeah totally 
And I went back to my board. They're like, who's, who's going to pay for that? So I went to every news organization in the state on the broadcast and print side. And I said, we're going to incorporate the syndication model. Hmm. And you know what? Every news organization is like, we don't have anybody at the Capitol. We don't have anybody in D.C. We don't have anybody in Hartford. Um, yes, let's do it. So, so Was that an initiative that you kind of came up with? And then you, you learned you learned from mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I think what I was seeing, like even my master's thesis was on um, uh, uh, mistakes the media, media industry mm-hmm. made. It's kind of like, I really want to look at this. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's one of the reasons why I was hired as well, because I basically gave them you know, a 30-page thesis saying, this is, here's a playbook. Go. Sure, sure. Uh, but they're like, this, this makes sense. How did you, uh, you kind of shifted from, so you're doing digital, but, but what you're just telling me now is that, okay, you, in, in some ways you're shifting into a sales yes. position. Were you comfortable? Like, how do you, how do you develop that muscle? I think it was. Or how did you develop that? It's a great question. I think because I had to step away from the media production side, mm-hmm. and to realize that in order to raise revenue, there was me and my board, um, and figuring this mm-hmm. out, and knowing that you know they can open doors, but we're going to have to figure out a solution um, to raise revenue on this. Um, you know, I wrote well. You know, I know my skill. You know, you, you evaluate your sure. skill set. So grant writing. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. becomes yeah. a priority. Sure, sure. And uh, you know, you can look at the nine nineties. I think, I think, my third and last year, um, we went from eighty five percent grant support to about sixty percent. Wow, wow. And I know a lot of foundations, uh, you know, figure it out. But if you're, is that your main revenue stream? Like, diversify your revenue stream. Yep. So I ran my nonprofit as a for profit. You know, we can't. We mm-hmm. had seven revenue streams. Um, Connecticut, just like very much like New York, all of a sudden you had microbrews popping up everywhere, you know, supported by some nice tax incentives from the state, sure. especially for agriculture. Mm-hmm. Only using Connecticut products, New York's got something similar. Only mm-hmm. using New York products. Yep. So we started um, developing. I developed this series called Policy Pairings, where you basically had debates at breweries. That's pretty cool. So you had, yeah. you know, and you know what? Everyone's like, oh, that's going to get rowdy. Yeah, I'm like. No, no, you don't go to breweries to get hammered. Right, right. You go to breweries to have one or two. Everything gets, like, relaxy, And you have people that never had the gumption to ask questions or all that. Yeah, now it's, hey, you know what? And then you have yeah. some lawmakers that were like, yeah, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to have nothing to lose. got nothing right? to lose. <laughs> but we hit each corner of the state where we had, you know, Fairfield, Gold Coast. Uh, the topic was tax structure. Tax inequality, and you know, because uh, you know, Fairfield's very much like in New York, where you have New York City, Westchester, mm-hmm. Long Island. Um, down toward New London, uh, we talked about uh, military and manufacturing because mm-hmm. you have the sub bases there, mm-hmm. uh, and so on. You know, up in stores, mm-hmm. you know, where UConn is, we started talking about education because very similar to New York State, they had what we call the education economy. You have towns that are just live like yeah. Hamilton, Geneseo, mm-hmm. you know, some ways Utica. Yeah. You know, you're supported yeah. by the university structure. Cortland Ithaca. Cortland right? Ithaca. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, or I'm Cornell Ithaca. Cornell, sorry, yeah, 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 absolutely. And uh well even Cortland. Yeah. Cortland in itself. You yeah. have you know, you have Cortland. It's Cortland. It's the biggest employer in the, you know, yeah. in that, that whole that district there. And it's an education economy. So um 
the, the fast forward, uh, yeah, I met some folks at Utica College. I think it was around 2000, 2010, 2011. And I'm like, hey, I go, they're like, you ever think about coming to New York State, go back to New York State? And of course, like my wife and I were like, absolutely every day. Mm-hmm. We loved Connecticut, loved the people there, but it's not home. Right. You know, right. New York was home, and we decided if we're going to raise a family, we're coming back to New York. And um, right around 2015, when uh, uh, the legislative session was ending in Connecticut, uh, they reached out out of the blue. You see did. You see. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, we have something coming off you may be interested in. Uh, when can you get here? Hmm. And uh, I'm like, when do you need me here? And they're like, you know, we went through the whole process sure, and sure. everything, but... Like, can you interview tomorrow? I'm like, well, they'll just say I'm burned out. I'm like, mm-hmm. I promised my wife, they like, I'm burned out. Um, I interviewed. I did fairly well, I thought. And um, uh, I was hired. And my first semester here at Utica College was uh, fall of 2015. How did you know? Did you know at the time you wanted to teach? Because that, that's a, I mean, it's not a huge jump from journalism to, to higher ed. But, I mean, at some point, you know, did you, did you have any teaching experience yeah i was a professor of practice at quinnipiac okay quinnipiac university and i started off as an adjunct and they realized that the industry was going multimedia fast Mm -hmm. uh you know we had strong pipelines espn abc like sure you know yeah big players between the new york and boston market yeah um they have their their journalism uh media program is fantastic now um, so in a very smart move, they brought uh, computer science and engineering into the into fold. it. Yeah. Makes complete sense. Um, so it took me a little while, so I went full time, and you know I liked it. Had you ever been to this area before? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I go to school in Rochester. Oh, okay, but yeah, okay. Um, but uh, Connecticut, excuse me, uh, uh, I've been, Rochester, Buffalo, Syracuse, Utica, and. I like telling this story a lot. I think I may have told you this story. So I went to college uh, in Rochester, and I remember a guy I played ball with, um, you know, first time you meet somebody, hey, where are you from? You know, you're 18, you're 19 years old. And uh, and he goes, oh, I'm from Syracuse. And his and another guy who was from Clinton goes, he called, that, called him out on it. He goes, dude. You're from Ilian. <laughs> and it was it was kind of funny, but but now we're looking at it 20 years removed. Mm-hmm. And people are just like, dude, I'm from Utica. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's that speaks a lot. Yeah. That speaks volumes of where and we're talking about a, a, really a 20 year gap. Um so I'd I'd go I'd come home with them, you know, on weekends mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. You know, I'd go down to Hamilton party a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um but that I thought spoke volumes from where I was in college 20 years ago, and it sounds really weird saying, mm-hmm. to now being like, yeah, man, I'm I'm from Utica. You know, I was talking to I was going to talk to uh, the Chamber of Commerce like a year ago or something like that, and one of the things that I thought was an interesting trend that I was seeing is um, we didn't necessarily have like we're getting a, a resurgence of business and brands in the city that are like Utica bread, Utica blank right like Utica coffee where like it's it's the 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 location is now a net positive not a net negative you know and that that hadn't happened when I was a kid you know at all so I I get it yeah it's been a been a big transformation I think where 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 we've seen a shift in that is um identity Mm -hmm. and 
a lot of people aren't so much, let's say, questioning our identity. But now that we're a melting pot in so many different ways, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's your your DNA or because we're such, you know, I, I've lived in, in three states. Um, I'm not so much a vagabond, but it's more mm-hmm. of, you know, what's home? Yeah. And I, I had to be a way to realize that New York State's home. And I'm like, I want to be a new, like my wife and I are like, yeah. I want to be New, new Yorkers, New Yorkers yeah. again. Like we're not Connecticutians. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said now with people understanding because of these seismic shifts in population and business that I want to be tied to something. Mm-hmm. And maybe you have to leave before to you figure that to out. figure that out yeah. before you I come agree. back. Um, what are what were the some of you know being in in, um, in New Haven, uh, Connecticut? You know what were some of the you, you were, we were talking a little bit earlier about there were when we think of Connecticut we think of like Gilmore Not, Girls, yeah, yeah. right, right. Yeah. My wife is the biggest. She's like her third time through the series right now. <laughs> it's her late night go to. She loves Stars Hollow, and, now, and, and like I gotta be honest, man. It's a good show. It, it, I gotta yeah. be honest. I, I've, I've been like, wow, that seems like a nice place to live. Similarities to from New Haven to upstate, because you're saying, ah, there's a lot of stuff going on that is that is similar, but we don't think of it. Yeah, um, I'll give you three examples. Yeah, one, and I tell my colleagues this all the time. So Quinnipiac used to be Quinnipiac College. The president of Quinnipiac College had a vision, long-term vision. And I think he's retiring last year, or he retired last year. I don't know. I got the alumni magazine, you know. Just, mm-hmm. But he, Hamden is just north of, of New Haven. Mm-hmm. And there's always this college with a chip on its shoulder, like, we're not Yale. Right. right. You know, you're, we're 10 miles down the road. So he recognized from a marketing strategy two things. Uh, a sport, a revenue-generating sport that isn't around here that, that people can hold on to. Mm-hmm. And we need a strong marketing peg that could go national. 25 years later, you have the Quinnipiac poll, mm-hmm. which is yep. the model for the Maris poll, mm-hmm. the Siena poll, political polling, yep. you know, public sentiment polling. That brand costs nothing. I think that's the only thing I know about Quinnipiac yeah. is the poll. That's it. Yeah. But you know what? You know it. You mm-hmm. know the name. He then uh, uh, helped build this really nice state-of-the-art facility for basketball and ice hockey, mm-hmm. not football, mm-hmm. ice hockey, realizing there's about 60 to 65 D1 ice hockey programs. But the facility is, has a shared lobby. Mm-hmm. So you never schedule basketball uh, you know, opposite hockey. You know, Basketball Monday, hockey Tuesday, mm-hmm. or whatever. The, uh, the foot of Sleeping Giant State Park. So many similarities. I come here, I said, look, I go... You have, I see similarities because we're looking to build. They want to have inroads in other parts of the country, in other parts of the region. They're at the foothills of, of the Adirondacks. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. People forget. I think people just forget that this is at the foothill of Adirondacks. Mm-hmm. My wife and I, we went away twice last year, both renting Airbnb houses in the Adirondacks. In the park, yeah. Just beautiful. Like we went to Star Lake. Never mm-hmm. heard of Star Lake. Beautiful house. Beautiful. Like... It's the Adirondacks. It's beautiful. My point is this, is that there's potential to grow here, catching it at the right time. So I see a lot of you see that way as well. Mm -hmm. So that's one. Two, I see, I think people forget this as well, is that there's, there's, 
there were two manufacturing bases, the Naugatuck Valley in Connecticut, and uh, really everything south of, of Yukon and stores on the eastern part of the state. Very small state. But you have your clusters of urban development, mm-hmm. and you have small cities with big city problems, and New Haven's that way. New Haven's 120,000 people. Albany, uh, 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 Utica's now 60, yeah, 60, yeah. 65. Albany, 90 to 100. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Poughkeepsie. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go down the line. Troy. Schenectady. Schenectady. Yeah. You know, they're in that like sixty to one hundred fifty thousand dollar, uh, excuse me, one hundred fifty thousand population yeah. uh, cluster, and you have diversity, but you have gentrification. You have big city issues in a small city. I see that around here as well, and people who are are, are very civic minded trying to figure it out because your industrial base left, yeah, and you're trying to find a solution. To to boil that, they have a strong college community in each of those cities to say, how can we connect this? And it's not even like town-gown issues. It's more of, like, that's in the past. Mm-hmm. It's more of, how can we be a good partner? Uh, you know, you, you go down the line. But those, the idea that the college is being a driving force towards, call it revitalization, call it whatever you want, right? Transformation. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And there are similarities, and everyone's trying to figure out how can we, you know, best sustain something mm-hmm. and also give reason for people to stay. Mm-hmm. Connecticut's population is lost. New York's population is lost. Um, I don't see it that way. I tell people, I was having this conversation today, that, you know, this isn't the New York that I recognize from 20 years ago. And I think really that sweet spot of like those last 20 years, bittersweet, let's call it bittersweet Mm -hmm, spot, is now showing signs of life. Because I think towns are recognizing that there there is a potential partnership and we're not so provincial. Mm -hmm. That's my third point. Provincial thinking. Yeah, the old joke, and this is the thing that I had to battle as as publisher of the the Mirror, is that there's 169 towns, 169 fiefdoms. And... I also think that's a generational thing. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think there's a lot of people that don't care. Like, perfect example, our favorite Mexican place was two towns over in New Haven. People there are like, I can't believe you're driving two towns over. Mind you, Connecticut's like... Right. It's nothing. It, we have ten, it's a 10-minute drive, folks. Yeah. It's good Mexican. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's worth 10 minutes. Yeah. Right? But they're like, support, support so-and-so. And I'm like, no. But it's that thinking mm-hmm. we have to overcome. Well, that, that's, the, you know, I think sometimes that what I've seen um, in the blanket, um, buy local, support local. I get it. Local still needs to be good. Like, you still need to be good. Right. You know, if you if you have a, a, a shitty product, what are you going to do? People know. You know? Yeah. People know. So, um, you know, hopefully that answers your question. I yeah. See, I see it on three fronts. and um, But what most I, I see most is potential. Um, so here in, uh, uh, upstate now, uh, one of the things that, you know, we, we kind of got jamming on, um, I mean, it's like the first time we met or something was, was this idea of you're, you're very entrepreneurial in nature. And, uh, uh, and I think really understand kind of where the, where the puck is going, not, not where it is. And, um, one of the stories you were telling me was about crowdfunding a baseball team. Can we just dive into that? Because that's something that is super interesting. People can wrap their head around it, but I had never heard of this before. And 
Give me that. Give me that whole whole story. Yeah. So um, I was fascinated with. I've always been fascinated with crowds. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up loving music. You know the the thrill of a crowd. The you know being like going to Jones Beach for a concert mm-hmm. during the summer. It would be equivalent to like Saratoga. Sure, sure. You know now you know Oma Gang down like yeah. There's some cool. There's some really yeah. sweet summer like you know, summer concert venues. But to have that energy, um, when I was in college, I read um, every Rolling Stone there was on microfilm. Holy shit, microfilm. Um, and you I was sat just, there in the library, yeah. like zooming. In My friends were like, "Dude, what are you doing? Nothing, <laughs> nothing at all." Reading Rolling Stone, but guys. A lot of what I read, like you had, and this this may seem like I'm dating myself now. Uh, you had uh, um, like the Allman Brothers talking about feeding off the crowd, mm-hmm. and Bruce Springsteen feeding off the crowd, and how how everyone just feeds off energy. And I'm like. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. Like it's a really powerful feeling to not have control over a crowd, but have... It's a symbiotic relationship. It's a sh- yeah, yeah, it's a shared relationship. Shared it's a shared experience where you're like, that's human. Mm-hmm. That's a very human thing to do. And I offer that context because, one, I, you know, I, I love music. Don't let the, the professor <laughs> uniform, you know, fool you. As I sit here and I left my blazer in the car and... Uh, I did too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I shaved my I shaved my beard every St. Patty's Day. But um, I started reading. I read a story. Uh, uh, a Wired journalist Jeff Howe, mm-hmm. crowdsourcing. Yeah. And I was I was I started flipping through, and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. That's when I moved over to the multimedia side of the Register. Okay. And there was a big discussion about how do you build audience? How do you build audience? And where's the relationship? Where I had people in corporate were like. You build audience by giving them a product, they pay for it. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. you don't do it. Yeah, you got to pay. But at the same time, what's the experience? Mm-hmm. It always went back to experience. The idea of a true fan. True right? fan. So one of the chapters focuses on liked experience in sports. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this makes complete sense. So at that time, um, I got to know a couple guys through uh, the New Haven Chamber of Commerce. because so I started my first business. I was a multimedia firm. And we were out having a couple beers. I'm like, you guys want to try this? Like, you want to try the baseball team? And they're like, you're nuts. Like, but but then there was one guy that was like, yo, that's that's pretty cool. Were you a baseball fan? No, I played basketball. I'm a basketball fan. So why baseball? Baseball, in terms of one, fandom, and two, the concept of control. That's when uh, uh, like rotisserie, when fantasy started really taking sure, off. Sure. Like, how do you give people that incentive to, to buy in? To buy in. Yeah. So, of course, we were just like, yeah, let's let's give it. Like, so we sat down and we started hashing out a plan. One guy who was from New Haven had the network, uh, and there's Atlantic League team. Atlantic League is like a, uh, uh, it's not affiliated at all, but it's like catching like Daryl Strawberry on his way out playing in the Atlantic League. Oh, okay. it's like your last okay. resort league, but it's pro. Hmm. So the Bridgeport Bluefish were playing. So it's not it's not farm. It's yeah po- post post. But um, it is fa- it is farm. But it's not affiliated. So for instance, okay. like it's not single A, double A, triple A. Right. You have some people that just got cut from double A. They're gonna go there because because the, the the product hmm. is still good. Okay. And Bridgeport has the Bluefish in in, uh, in a stadium that mm-hmm. overlooked the Long Island Sound. The Bridgeport Ferry is coming in. 
And we're like, if we were to join the Atlantic League, how many people we need at $100 a pop? So you start doing the math. Mm-hmm. We talk to their GM, and they're like, this is awesome. He's like, it'll never work. Just because, you know. It, sure. It, yeah. it seems like a crazy idea at the time. Time. But then he starts thinking, like, it can work. So we started looking at leagues. You know, what can we do with other leagues? And then we went out to Yale, Yale Field. And there's Summer, Summer Collegiate League. Uh, New York has, has one as mm-hmm. well. Cape Cod League. Mm-hmm. League. And our friend who, uh, who was the executive director of the Yale Tennis Center, he goes, he goes, this is actually great because there's no overhead to pay college, college baseball players. So your salary... Is off the table. Wait, why is it? Because because they're there already. Yeah, yeah. They they use uh, college baseball players use those leagues as showcase leagues. Okay. Small towns like the Cape League use it as this is the Cape. Mm-hmm. You get scouts. This is community involvement. Mm-hmm. The Cape is really the model. Mm-hmm. Uh, NYCBL has, has come up. Futures. Uh, the Alaska League used to be you know big. So we just started doing all this research. Forty two game summer season. 21 home dates. We went mm-hmm. to Yale Field, and um, they basically, for rent and liability insurance, would have like exceeded our entire budget. So we're like, can't do that. We heard up north in the valley, old industrial town, which lost its base, mm-hmm. loved their team that, that left. Financially, it just wasn't supported. We loved the fact that it was a model. Mm-hmm. Like we wanted to turn the conventional baseball model upside down, and it was ripe for the picking because their major revenue is media. If you took revenue sharing agreements out of it, you took media out of the equation, I'd say probably about two thirds of Major League Baseball would have folded. Your small market teams gone. You would have you know you'd have the Yankees, the Dodgers, basically your big market yeah. teams. Yeah. Milwaukee probably no. <laughs> Yeah, I love Milwaukee. But my point is, I was more in love with the model than baseball. Mm -hmm. And I think that was good for all of us because we weren't baseball fans. We were more enthralled with the model, not the game. Because if you go in there thinking that, and a lot of the guys who run collegiate summer league teams Mm -hmm. love baseball. And they're they're coming from that. They lived it their whole life, right? Yeah. They lived it. So we're like, we went up to Torrington. We talked to the mayor, younger guy. We talked to the people that used to own it. They're like, look, Torrington's mm-hmm. great, um, uh, but they just can't sustain it. So we're like, why, why don't we turn it upside down? Started a website, started selling memberships. We had some accountant uh, 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 guidance because we couldn't call them shares. Legally. That, legally. The membership was we wouldn't have a general manager. Every decision we would make, if you bought a membership, you got a season ticket, and we made every decision as a democracy. We democratized the concept of baseball. So when you say every decision, what are those? Big to small. Big to small. um, Is it like who's the starting pitcher? So so we couldn't. We'll get back. We'll we'll come back to that in a second. Um, All-star ballots. Hmm. Um, Who's going to represent us? Like what are the priorities at the winter winter meetings? Mm -hmm. Basically like the ins and outs of the business of baseball. They didn't at first. They didn't really care about the product. They wanted baseball back in a town, and they wanted to see if this could work. Six hundred fifty hundred dollar memberships later, we had sixty five thousand dollars in capital. We hired uh, 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 somebody who was tied to a friend of ours, uh, who's an auctioneer, 
who um, uh, who sold some advertising okay. for us because of a huge revenue stream for sure, these athletics sure. advertising. We had so you know within I'd say a month we had a hundred thousand dollars of working capital, which took care of our entire budget. So we're like, sweet, let's watch this now. Let's watch it unfold. Was this done as a as a, a money maker? Was this done like I, we just want to see if we can do this? This is a fun project. We want to see if people would actually do it. Yeah, so so you're you're poking the box basically. This is this is a proof of concept. Yeah, let's see yeah. if it can work. If we, we were very clear when we launched the site, and we're talking about early days of Twitter, early sure. days of Facebook, like let's try to let's try. Mm-hmm. Um, twelve, uh, we sold memberships in twelve different states. Uh, Seventy seventy five percent was was Connecticut. Sure, and. Um, you had people from Texas, California. They wanted a connection to their town. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, live streaming. Hmm. Um, was How'd you do that in back infancy? Um, we used some... some uh, 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 I'm trying to think of something. I have to go back and look. Now hmm. you're testing me, but I could give you the documentary. That's but funny. Two of my students from Quinnipiac interned with me. And they basically did the stream from up in the press box. I had like uh, HVR wouldn't use uh, Sony cameras <laughs> and like plug in H, like yeah, early, yeah. early HDMI yeah. cables. Like, like yeah. shit, the feed went down. Like, yeah, just how, seeing what would happen. How can we do it? And um, another one, another great one is that um, we, had a, we had a scout who was local that got us these players from like Stanford, big baseball mm-hmm. school. He was like, hey, do you want Team Canada to play an exhibition here? And we're like, that's pretty cool. And our second question was, how much does that cost? We actually put that out to our membership. We put all our financials out there. It was all transparent. Yeah. We're just like, here's yeah. all the financials. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? And there were some people, it was a various debate. We had like some archaic message boards built mm-hmm. in there, like yeah. simple web structure. You sure. Know? And they're like, this, this is going to cost us. Like we may not finish. So like these, these mm, side conversations. But you had a, a, an entire community buy-in, which was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, in an area that is very conservative. So you had you also we had you know you always have your detractors. They're sure. Like, they're like we want a PNL statement. Like, do you have skin in the game? And I'm like, no. Like the the, the sweat ec- for a lot of people the sweat sure. equity argument didn't fly. Hmm. And when you're in your late twenties, you know, doing it, you're like, oh, they don't get it. Mm-hmm. But really, like we didn't get some of it. Sure. Either. Sure. We're, we're figuring it out. But they only got a hundred bucks in it. They only have a hundred bucks <laughs> in it. Thing, right? Exactly. Like, yeah, we don't have sweat equity, but you only got a hundred yeah. bucks, and I got eighty hours yeah. last week. What we and it, it gave, like a lot of powerful lessons of like you're not from here, mm-hmm. um, you don't have any equity in it. Um, what's the catch? Yeah. And this is like Ryan. This is like eight years ago already. You know mm-hmm. where people's thoughts and attitudes toward community involvement, online and offline, have mm-hmm. completely changed. So um, our pitching coach, actually, his kid brother um, needed three credits internship to graduate from Arizona State Film School. He came in. We put him on the couch. He filmed 80% of a documentary we cut. And the team lost, uh, no, no spoiler alert here, mm-hmm. in the, uh, the summer league semifinals, 16-inning game, one nothing. Oh, wow. Um, what was even better about this is that uh, Morgan, I'll give him a you know, plug. Morgan Miller and Miles Miller, the Miller brothers, may, maybe relation. No relation. No relation. The Millers, the, the extended Miller network. Um, they knew a band called You and Your Effects. Okay. If you if you can find You and Your Effects, 
bluegrass with like a nice little contemporary mm-hmm. beat to it. Um, shins, little little, yeah, okay. little yeah, bit yeah, of shins yeah. um, tied to it. Said here are twelve songs. Use use all twelve. Oh wow! And it was like perfect summer league. Mm-hmm. Little yeah, bit of bluegrass. bluegrass. Yeah. Like with a beat, with a beat. Yeah. Um, oh man, such like my wife and I still listen to it. Like super talented. I don't know where they are now, but everything came together. Full community involvement. So getting back to your question about mm-hmm. control, the league, very old school, contemporary. You know, not even contemporary, but just like conservative league. Mm-hmm. They're like, you need to let us know if you're playing again next year, and we're like, um, yeah, yeah, sure, you know, mm-hmm. no problem. We put it out to our membership, and there wasn't so much of a revolt, but it was more of there was some heated conversation about we want more power. Hmm. What they wanted to do is they wanted to set lineups like fantasy baseball. Yeah, yeah. they wanted to live that. And we were talking, to our, and our coach was fantastic, old school guy, mm-hmm. like knew the game, like perfect guy to coach this team, local roots. And he's like, guys, you can't do that because in collegiate summer league team, let's say these some of these guys got drafted. Mm-hmm. Like we had a first-round draft pick on our team. Mm-hmm. They're loaned out by the school. Loaned not in the, the fiscal sense, but basically we trust you. Mm-hmm. Like Josh can only have 45 innings. Right, right. And if you say we're just going to – he's going to pitch every inning of every game. Like right? we can't do that. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't, we didn't reach their membership goal. Wow. So – so it was an experiment, and it, it, I would say it failed, but like you, you learned some interesting things. We, you know, we, we sold it um, to a team that ran it, like the nonprofit model, mm-hmm. go for it. They took a loss every year. Hmm. And um, interesting. It was a huge experiment, but it, 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 you know, a lot of, lot of lessons. That's cool. Yeah. You know, one of the things, being someone that's working with undergrad and and grad students, what are the, what are the things that you're seeing from students that are interested in entrepreneurship or any any trends? Like I guess like what trends are you seeing, but also what are the the skill sets and, and maybe deficits that you're seeing? What are the, what are the challenges for folks that are kind of in these kinds of you know we we talked about communities that. Um, really struggle with with just getting people to, to stay in those communities but also um, there's not a lot of private enterprise and so what are some of these kids up against growing up in some of these communities and and like, i don't know what are you seeing where are they going yeah so it's been it's been interesting because there are you know i think when when i think one of the reasons i think the first time i stopped down here because i was like you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta meet ryan you gotta meet ryan and you know, I think about the first time we, we talked, it was like maybe 20 minutes. We're like, mm-hmm. all right, yeah, this guy gets it. This guy gets it. Like, let's figure out how to do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, do you want to judge our, our, our first experimental course? With Unless we're both wrong, by the way. It is, there's a possibility Possibly. we're both wrong. Very possible. We both get it in our own minds, and we're completely wrong. This, it's a great idea up here. Are we on, we on here? Like it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's up here. Um, like, how come people aren't seeing the same thing? Are we that, 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 that dumb? Or are we just, uh, I don't you know, know, the voice is inside the head. But I think um, I asked you to judge our first experimental yeah. class for entrepreneurship, and it was just media-related. Yep. And that's where I first started noticing um, a few deficits where it was a nice mix, because UC, by nature, is a nice mix of, of mm-hmm. students from upstate towns in New York City, mostly. 
And I love that because you all of a sudden have these conversations happening and you learn by osmosis mm-hmm. in many ways. Yeah. But what I saw immediately, uh, financial fluency on real basic level. Mm-hmm. Like, and this isn't, a, this isn't a knock against any of them. It's more of like their concept of money. Hmm. And it's not like, you know, they see Facebook, they see valuations, they want to know how those work. And I'm like, well, what's your idea? And they're like, well, I'm like, that's that's not going to happen. And right. Taco truck. Taco truck. Yeah. And it's not like I was trying to push them away. And, you know, I, you know, Professor O, firm, firm affair. Mm-hmm. You know, could be, sure. But, you know, that's the way I, I grew up. And I, I think that's the way, you know, I'm going to be real with you. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to be a realist. And you may not like what I say, but this is how I see it. And, and prove me wrong. You know, challenge. So when I start explaining how much you need in financial fluency and how much it really you need to survive, like survive, right. um, yeah, there's a, there's a deficiency there. Two, I don't think it was a shortage of ideas. I think it was more of of how to execute, where they didn't realize that, look, you know, capital and liquidity and you know just isn't as prevalent as it just, is. Like stop yeah. stop watching Silicon Valley. Yeah. Stop yeah. stop watching it. That's one of the main questions I get is can you introduce me to an angel investor for my brick and mortar non scalable retail business? Or are there grants I can have for my for profit business? Yeah. Who who are you talking to? Yeah. Like who are you and, and don't get me wrong, that those worlds exist. You and I both know sure. those worlds exist. Sure. But you're not I tell them like I'm not here to crush dreams, but I'm saying this is what it's gonna take to get you there. And then when we start talking about return, like what's ten x right, on this? Right. Oh wait, I have, to, I have to pay that back. Right. Yeah. Times ten. Times ten. Oh, bank loan. Like, so. What? And if it doesn't go, I'm on the hook. Yeah. Like like collateral. Yeah. Like what's? It gets scary real it fast. It gets scary. Um, so that was the second one. Just you know, execution. How are they going to do this? And third. Opportunity, and I go back to opportunity often when I speak with, about this with my colleagues. I, I, I truly feel that we have a generation now that wants to give back, that's interested in, 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 in the world around them about trying to rebuild. Some of them, like in only my third year here, don't want to move to Boston or New York. Yeah, They're like, I'm not going anywhere. And it's not defeatist as like, I'm not going where. It's more of, I, I kind of want to stick around here and see what I can do. And I think for a 20, 21, 22-year-old, and we, you know, we've talked about this a bit, who you know, for the last 20, 30 years, now that they're, uh, they're growing up and coming of age, and it's a transitional period of their life, mm-hmm. they're like, we've seen people try. Or we've, we've heard the magic, yeah. you know, the, the, yeah. the, the, the magic bullet's coming. And economic development from the top down and there's been some attempts mm-hmm. and this is across all of upstate either execution doesn't happen or they it's not so much that they're expecting letdown but i think now that they're, they're not getting pissed they're more like wait a minute i want to be challenged somehow mm-hmm. how can we do it and i think there's a certain degree of, of people that are deciding actively deciding that we are going to take control of this narrative uh, of of our city, town, whatever, right? And maybe maybe they don't know how they're going to execute on that, but you know, I, I think that's been been true here as as, as we sit here in Utica. I think there's there's been um, 
I think the one of the one of the kind of I don't know, theses or theses I used to have or maybe still do have was that, you know, the the default switch for or the default mood was defeatist. Um, and then you start to see these like lone um, lone sparks of people that were kind of challenging that narrative. And and I also think when you, you talk about timing, right? I think the timing and of when social media in general started to take off, those voices could find like it was easier to find like minded voices. And you go, oh wait, there's other people here that think the same way that I do. Right. We can now do something, uh, and not just wait or or, or sulk. I don't think that's universally true, but I think that ha- that has added. It's it's been an accelerant for for some areas. Yeah, I w- I would not disagree with that at all. I think people are figuring that out that. You know, people of like mind. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a catch twenty two in many sure. ways. It's more like, hey, let's be more uh, homogeneous society and sure. a cluster of like mind and races and gender, where really there's this beautiful exchange of ideas, mm-hmm. a potential exchange of ideas. But it can be messy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But people are, I, uh, are they willing to have those tough conversations as well about you know what mm-hmm. can we do and you know where's the potential. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, I think I mentioned to you my entrepreneurship class. We go on field trips around downtown. Yeah, talk about business. that a little bit. Yeah, we. Uh, uh, so it's the first first class that we have in the new entrepreneurship minor at UC. We also have a specialization in the MBA. Uh, shameless plug. And um, uh, what I do is we, we walk around. Shameless plug. And we walk around, and uh, you know, of course, I reach out to, to small business owners, and I want them to be real with our students. And a lot of my students came in like, yeah, I want to start a business. And by week four and five, when they start hearing that, oh, I had to do X, Y, Z. Oh, here's here's funding. Wait a minute, I have to do what? They're like, it got real, real fast. But, yeah. you know, it's like without a net. It's mm-hmm. just like that's you start with zero. And I said the other day at the business competition, I said, you know, when you start a business, you have an idea, you have a vision, and you have no money. Go. You know, and that's why we need to support that. But people are finding each other to do something mm-hmm. like this. And it doesn't happen overnight. That's where I think attention exists. People think, you know, um, you know, grants or government money is going to come in. And, like, you have to sustain it. And that's right. what I tell people. I said, right. you know, starting a business is easy. Mm-hmm. Sustaining it, that's the challenge. Mm-hmm. I and agree. That, and that's where this next step is needed where you know you see signs of life, but the larger question is, how do you sustain it? And how do you enable people to sustain it? That's a larger issue because when you start asking people, hey, can you support this? Are you willing to sustain it? Or are you looking for a big payday? Don't know, whether it's, whether it's banks, mm-hmm. whether it's investors. Sure. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Make you know we we talk we've talked a lot about this idea of an ecosystem um, where you you know even even from a front facing um, business model like a retail you need you know you need good communication and and good um, uh, partners in in finance in real estate in and in all the stuff in addition to the person that's running the business. What do you think are the ingredients for a good ecosystem? Um, 
or the minimum viable ecosystem. Yeah, I guess, right. Yeah, where where this goes back to, and I'm, I'm going back to the earlier part of our discussion about provincial thinking, is um, I know Richard Florida came here. Yeah, a couple yeah. of years ago. Actually, I think maybe it was the year before before yeah. I got here. I read uh, uh, Hoosier City, mm-hmm. which I'm, I'm hoping half the region, you know, mm-hmm. read it. Richard Florida, you know, strong play to get mm-hmm. get get him here. But I'm like, this makes sense. Like, regionalism makes sense mm-hmm. on a number of levels. And you have people, provincial thinking, don't believe regionalism makes sense. Sure. Population decline. Even the comptroller of New York State has cited that. Guy's a pretty smart guy. And he's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I respect him, you know, in a lot of ways. But he, it's not even so much a theory. He's got the data to back it up. And, you know, it's it's... It runs deep, you know. He's got a good group there. But my point is, is that you got to put that aside to understand. In order for success to happen, you need that ecosystem. You need people to see it from a regional perspective. How do you get people to to change the mindset from? I'm using people in general, but like, um, I think when we talk about regionalism, the default reaction that I think a lot of folks have is one of, I support regionalism. Uh, as long as I'm the person that gets to drive the regional vision, right? It, it's right. coming from a, um, uh, a perspective of there. I'm I'm going to lose voice rather than we're going to create a new voice. Yeah. Any thoughts on how part, you change part, that whole I, thing? Part and this, I think I've learned this the hard way over time, and I'm not that old, I know, mm-hmm. but I think you know as as we get older and. Are you 40 yet? Gray. You're not 40 Just yet. Turned 40. You turned 40. Congratulations. Thanks, man. You Thanks. made it. Thanks, I made it. <laughs> Um, you're, what, you got a year? You got two? Believe it or not, I turn... What day is it today? Today's the... Today's April 13th. I turned 37 two days ago. Congratulations, yeah. Thank man. Thank you. Nice. Um, weird, we can talk about that you know, <laughs> in some other, some other yeah. episode. It's been fun as hell because my kids are fun as hell. Um, that's, what, that's really why I, you know, I do yeah. a lot of this. Um, kids are awesome. And... Uh, um, what I think happens, and this is from experience, is that partnerships are messy, you know, mm-hmm. which, whichever facet of life, where it's never a true 50-50 partnership. Mm-hmm. But I think those are the ones where you have to step away and say, hey, you take the lead. When do you lead mm-hmm. and when do you collaborate? When do you lead and where do you help out? Mm-hmm. And I've never really taken, maybe this goes back, you know, to, um, you know, Tony B and and the, and the, and the tennis, tennis yeah. way to tie the whole thing together right I try man I try <laughs> is that um, you know always say please and thank you mm-hmm. and always say how can I help and for a lot of people um, you know how can I help people are just like oh you're just saying that and it's a two way street because some people are like hey can you help this way the door is open it's a question of do you take advantage of mm-hmm. it and that's where I think people have to recognize that when you say hey how can I help instead of saying hey what's the catch it's more of Hey, you have something of value to me, and it's not you know naive, naivete or wishful thinking to say, hey, you know, I'm expecting. It's not transactional, right? And right. I think I think we've I think we've in the last ten to twenty years have have recognized that a lot of the relationships in business are transactional, and for a region like this and for upstate, it can't be transactional, right. like and mm-hmm. and even with government. Even with government inter, uh, uh, support, not mm-hmm. so much intervention. Sure, sure. Let's you know support. We'll call it support. Yeah. We'll call it support for now. Is um, 
you know, what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. What's the return? Government shouldn't work like that. Government should be like, hey, we can help you. It's going to come at a, at a price. But don't expect something in return. Be like, give me an opportunity to get on my feet. And then I could go. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I also think people have this sense of uh, fear of failure. I think so, too. Massive, massive challenge. Yeah. Um, to understand that failing is not a bad thing. It's more of... I mean, it sucks. Yeah. It sucks. Understand your limitations, sure. I guess. I mean, I'll use the ba- baseball one as an example. Mm-hmm. We knew what we were putting in. Mm-hmm. We also knew that it wasn't forever. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people try to build businesses forever. Yeah. And and look, it's not forever. Everything has a life cycle. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with after 10 years to back it up and you know say, like, everyone has ideas. Like, you know, take the chance mm-hmm. on it. But evaluate and know, and know your limitations. And that's what we do with the baseball team. We're just like, we kind of know our limitations. We're not putting more. So I was like, I'll go to the bank and get a loan. Mm-hmm. No. 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 And it's not, we have some strong banks. We have some strong community banks here. Uh, you know, Don't get me wrong, but it's more of uh, assess the situation and see if that's a viable option. Yeah, is it propping it up? Like, like why? What is, what's, the, what's the deal that you're making? You know, are, you, are you getting a loan as a... As a, as a Gap to, to to fill a gap, or is it like, oh man, this is we're gonna start propping. We're we're gonna finance this now through debt versus enthusiasm. Right. Right. Exactly. And you know, but you need that support. Mm-hmm. You need and you need a long range vision as well to make sure. So when go back to your question about how do you create that ecosystem, I think it's regional. No longer can it be town by town, mm-hmm. um, and you have to recognize. You know, opportunity. You know, I'll give you an example. Like, their brick and mortar isn't dead. Brick and mortar, especially for small towns, is 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 a lifeblood. Yeah. You know, in, in many ways. Um. But work, like work with the small business owner. I'll give you an example. Like, I had this conversation downtown Utica. Like so much potential architecture mm-hmm. I forgot the book that's out there but there's this fantastic book I forgot the name of it it's all about the architecture of Utica hmm. uh, it's beautiful like Union Station beautiful yeah, yeah. like gem yeah. Yeah. go just sit there I, I, I sent some of my students in one of my classes I go go sit in, in Utica train, Union mm-hmm. Station for the day talk to people really? Yeah. you'll get the DMV crowd at least right? yeah yeah. 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 I mean it's, it's a transportation hub sure now. sure I said, what are you going to fill with it? What are you going to fill those buildings with? People bought them up. Yeah. There's, there's outside investment. Sure. And what are you going to, a lot of it's on spec, but what are you going to put in there? Can you work with small business to ensure not only they get in there, but they can stay there. They can yeah. stay there. Yeah. And that's big. There, there's, there's this great model out there. and It could be Austin, Texas. Let's go back and look. And I'm not comparing Austin to Utica at all, um, especially with volume. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not the Austin culture here. Nope. You know. But, I was just there two weeks ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, it's, it's not. But, it's a different vibe. But there was a deal where you know, they needed a section of the city to be revitalized in a way. And they said, okay, we'll give you three years. Here's old building, three storefronts. You know, you graduate college, there, you know, master's mm-hmm. program, you know, guarantee of law of averages, 
one of you is going to fail after a year. One of you is going to stay. Mm-hmm. But there's always going to be somebody that's going to replenish right. that. The, the rent, pipeline concept. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But the rent was, was feasible. They weren't paying taxes until their third mm-hmm. year. So it's off the city books. Right, until they succeed. Until they succeed. Yeah. Otherwise, it's on the books and you're paying. You're losing money. Yeah. You know, I would rather have a revolving storefront with life mm-hmm. than an empty storefront with nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, people would, people would, would respectfully disagree or just flat out disagree with, with me on that. But um, signs of life do wonders. Mm-hmm. You know, an injection of federal or state money can't survive on its own. There needs to be a, a collaborative effort mm-hmm. to make that happen. And that's, that's, that's a regional effort. What does that look like? I've yet to see it here, but I think there's enough like-minded people that are trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. All right. I want to thank Brett for his conversation, the insights and the stories. That's episode two. I hope you guys had a good time. Thanks for sticking with me. If you enjoyed this conversation, please hit that subscribe button. You can also find more information about the show and past episodes at rustbeltstartup.com. Follow me on the Instagram at rustbeltstartup, or you can email me your comments, criticisms, or complaints at hello at rustbeltstartup.com. The music that you're hearing under my voice right now is by Jordan Edmonds. You can search him on SoundCloud or Bandcamp, pick up his stuff. He's awesome. Have a great couple weeks. We'll see you for episode three soon.